Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Well, does anybody have uh, plans this afternoon? Anybody have plans? Yeah, um, I read something the other day that said nobody has ever been more surprised than a husband hearing his wife's plans for the second time. (laughs) I love that. So I have a funny to read to you guys. It's, imagine it's Saturday morning. You've been allowed to sleep in as long as you want, and you have no chores or responsibilities all day. There are birds chirping outside, and your mom has made cinnamon rolls and serves you breakfast. But you're almost three, so you are blind with rage. <laughs> I'm like, this, that's, just, that's just how that goes. So good morning. My name is Becca, and Samuel and I have the honor of serving you guys here as pastors. And um, this morning is Mother's Day. And before we get started, I wanted to make sure that I address the elephant in the room. And that's that. For many people, Mother's Day is the culmination of everything they've ever hoped and prayed for. And that's really, really beautiful. It's incredibly, it's an incredible blessing to get to have uh, little ones running around our feet and to get to enjoy those aspects of life. But for some people, this is the hardest day of the year. This can be a reminder of everything they're missing out on of all the challenges they walk through, some having uh, ended in, in having children and some not. And so I really want to make sure that at Life West, we do a good job of honoring all of the women. The word tells us to outdo one another in showing honor. And it would be one thing for, for us to um, not say anything at all. Right? That would be an option. There are some people who loathe that churches mention Mother's Day. But we've been inundated with the Mother's Day message the last six weeks. Every single advertisement we see talks about making sure you get mom her gift and making sure um, you call mom. And, and I, I just think it's so important that we acknowledge that mothers are to be honored. We thank you for all of the work that goes into mothering. It is not easy. This morning, I I literally just said to Hunter a minute ago, I came up to him, and I hadn't seen him this morning. They came in earlier, and I said, Hunter, do you have anything to say to me? You know, he's been walking around the halls. He goes, no. And I go, do you have anything to give to me? He said, no. And I go, happy Mother's Day. Here's a hug. And he goes, Happy Mother's Day, here's a hug. (laughs) I'm like, yes, (laughs) he got it on cue. But I want us to be a church body that honors the moms, yes, but also is able to see those who don't have children, who can't have children, and say, we honor you for showing up because it's hard. And even if you couldn't show up in church today and you're watching online, we honor that as well. Because it is incredibly difficult to walk that path. And I want to encourage you, if you know people who have lost children or who are um, estranged from their moms, please reach out. Tell them you're thinking about them. It doesn't have to be the most eloquent thing in the world, but please reach out. Um, So uh, we're going to pray, and then I'll get on with the message. Loving God, we thank you for mamas and children. 
We thank you for all of the joys and complexities that come with family life. And Father, we pray that this morning you are with those who are grieving because they have no mother. We pray that you are close to those who are struggling because they have no children. We thank you that you are near to those who are sad because they're far apart from those they love. We ask that your, home, your love would be present in every home and help your church to have eyes to see and ears to hear the needs of all who come. And we ask this in the sweet and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So with it being Mother's Day, I'm going to offer a little bit of advice. And you'll notice that all of the advice I offer this morning is for ages 10 and down because I really, you know, I'm not making mistakes for those ages all that much anymore. Now I just have the teenagers. So don't have a lot of advice for that part yet. But here we go. You know when you buy a bag of salad and it gets all soggy and brown? Yeah, cookies don't do that. Mm -hmm. The customer is always right unless that customer happens to be a parent ordering an imaginary taco from their toddler's food truck. Yeah, not going to win on that one. Sorry. You can have kids or you can have a complete set of silverware, but you can't have both. <laughs> I've tried. I've gone through like four rounds. Keep, I keep thinking like, okay, these spoons will last, you know, and after a year and a half, you have 500 forks and no spoons. <clears throat> okay, ever have a constipated baby? I have a solution for you. Dress them up in a cute outfit and drive somewhere without a change of clothes. Problem solved. <laughs> and then this one is my absolute favorite. Sleep when baby sleeps, fold laundry when baby folds laundry. <laughs> so in the past few weeks, I've been asking different women in my life, I've been saying, you know, what are some things that you think women really need to have addressed in their life right now? What are some things you think that they would love, um, that they would love to be taken care of? And every single person said some iteration of, we want to be seen. We want to be known. We want to be in community. We want people to know us. And what I love about that response is that it's not just a women's response, actually. If you think about it, we all want to be seen. We all want to be in community. We all want to be valued. And here's the thing. I think sometimes we can feel like that's a selfish thing. Right? We can think, oh, I don't want to be, I should just want to be unseen. And we can come across as having selfish motives. We can be complaining or whining about it. But I think the desire to be seen isn't actually all that selfish. Humans were created as the culmination of God's creation. And one of our purposes is to bring delight to God. The only way that we can bring delight to God is if he notices us, if he sees us. And that's the same thing for us too. We have to see others to allow them to bring delight to us. And I think humanity loves to be seen and known. And okay, introverts, who are my introverts? That was awesome. I seriously was like, I'm going to ask who the extroverts are because introverts won't raise their hands, but you did it. But even for the introverts... You guys want to be known and seen by one or two people. But we want to be known and seen because we were built for relationship. We were built for community. In fact, every single part of us wants to have a place to focus our attention all the way down to our eyes. 
So when I was growing up, um, my parents had a conversion van. It was a really cute, brown, striped, giant conversion van, right? And in that conversion van, we had um, velvet curtains. You guys remember the velvet curtains? Who's going to clean that? You know, my parents had five kids, and I'm sitting here thinking, that is a lot. I, I just, I'm thankful they don't do that anymore. But what we would do is we would drive up north in the van, and I would get kind of bored. And so what I, what I would do is I would look out the window, and I would stare, and I would try to will my eyes to allow the scenery to pass without them grabbing onto anything in particular, right? And it was so hard to do because as I was just staring, you know, my eyes would grab something. They're like, there's a pole, or there's an animal, or it, it's so hard for us to stop our eyes from focusing on something because our eyes were created to fix on something. Why? Because when we're able to fix our eyes on something secure in our environment, it helps us establish our placement and balance, right? But our lives really closely mimic that as well. We were made to fix our attention because when our lives are fixed on something secure in our environment, we're able to establish our placement and balance. As Christians, we know that that thing is Jesus. We're told in the word that God is our firm foundation, the rock on which we stand. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says this, Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. So my kids have started running track this year. Um, I kind of expected applause there uh, <laughs> because we're Vanderclocks. And Vanderclocks and um, organized sports don't really fit well together. Uh, so the kids are running track. And they come up and every week they're like, Mom, do we have track practice today? And I'm like... Yeah, it's, it's Monday. And they're like, yeah, but we had track practice on Friday. And I'm like, yeah, that's how that worked. And they, well, what other days do we have it this week? Same five you had it last week. <laughs> and then they're like, but then Saturday's a meet. I'm like, yes, Saturday is a meet. That's exactly it. But we're figuring it out. We're figuring it out. But the thing I love about track is that my kids run races, 100 meter, 300 meter hurdles, or, you know, 3,200 meter. And no matter what the race is that they run, the finish line is the same. Doesn't matter. The finish line is always the same in track. And our lives are the same. Jesus is the finish line. Jesus is what we fix our eyes on. How many times have you when we've been watching races, how many times have you seen somebody lose in the last few moments because they took their eyes off the finish line and they looked at the people around them? You know, we watch it even in the middle school and high school races. I'm like, oh, that person's going to lose. Why? Because this is how they're running. You know, they were winning. Then they turn around to watch somebody else and somebody in the back comes up and beats them, right? So this week... I, I was like, yes, I'm going to do a message, and it's going to be like an at-you message. I'm going to get to say, like, I'm really good at this, and you guys should all follow my example. But then on Thursday, Samuel and I had to go to small group. And on our way to small group, I said, okay, babe, here's what my message is going to be about. I'm going to talk a little bit about not comparing. And he's like, yeah, that sounds great. He's really encouraging. We go to small group, and that was awesome. We leave small group, and we're a mile down the road, and I get tears in my eyes, and 
And he's like, well, he's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, well, I just like, I, like this person is so holy and I, and I try and like I feel closer to God than I've ever been, but I don't have, I don't have holes in my carpeting because I've been kneeling and praying and like, but I feel so close to God. I'm like, but my kids aren't seeing it. And, and he looks at me, he goes, you, you need to stop it. And I was like, what? He goes, well, on the way to small group, you were talking about how you've got this great message about not comparing. <laughs> and now here we are, and you're comparing yourself. And it's so true. It's so easy for us to do that. One of the things Samuel reminded me in the car ride on the way home is he said, are you being obedient? I said, yeah. He said, then it's not going to look like anybody else. It's going to look really different. I don't have to have holes in my carpeting. I have to be faithful to God. I have to do what he has asked me to do. And, and it is so important that we understand that it is going to look different the way we walk out our faith compared to somebody else. It's going to look different. It should look different. If every single person's walk looks exactly the same, then we're not listening to the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit so intricately knows every single detail of our lives that the Holy Spirit will speak to us in our specific circumstances. I remember when um, COVID first started and we had friends whose kids were still in school. We had friends who pulled their kids out of school. We homeschooled. We had friends in private school. And I remember people said, well, you know, what do, what do we do? What do we do? And they wanted Samuel and I to tell them what they should do. And Samuel and I love the opportunity to get to be a voice for God in your lives. But we can never be the only voice. You have to know how to hear from the Holy Spirit. And that's what I said in that moment. I said, you know, I don't think any of these people are wrong. I think the Holy Spirit just so knows your circumstances that he will speak to you so sweetly. And so we cannot compare ourselves to the people around us. It should look different. Your life should look different from the people around you if you are listening to the Holy Spirit. They might be called to check off 500 tasks a day, and that might be faithfulness to them. You might be called to be quiet, to sit, to rest for a moment, and not have anything to check off, and that might be obedience. God is in charge of the outcome. We're in charge of obedience. The same God who told Abraham to go told Isaac to stay. He commanded Moses to speak, and he made Zechariah silent. He commanded some he healed to go and tell the world. And then others that he healed, he said, I want you to stay quiet. He made Deborah into a powerful warrior. And he directed Martha to be a homemaker. He will speak differently. If you look at the New Testament, some people were obedient to death. And others lived long lives. We need to keep focused on Jesus. So one of the things that we like to think about ourselves is that we are pretty amazing at multitasking. Anybody in here think they're good at multitasking? I really think I'm good at multitasking. And then every single time without fail, something boils over on the stove. That's like always the one that gets me, you know? Everything else I can leave, but that one isn't. So um, our family loves hunting for morels. 
And morels are mushrooms. Yeah, this is going to be, they're going to, oh, look. So, so we love hunting for morels, and we've been finding morels, but morels are delicious. Um, they are so scrumptious, and they are really elusive. So you have to be really concentrated when you're looking for morels because otherwise you will completely, completely pass them by. And here's the thing. Samuel is actually really good at looking for morels because this is Samuel looking for morels. He steps out the door. He says, I'm going to look for morels. And he goes and he looks for morels. And then he comes back inside and he is now done looking for morels. Me, I'm like, let's go look for morels. And I go outside and I start finding all sorts of other stuff to forage. And I'm like, ooh, wood violets. I can make syrup out of that. Here's some mullein. And then I didn't even realize until this morning that even in the picture, I have a pretty fern. Because I got distracted. I got the distracted by the pretty fern that I found when I was supposed to be looking for morels. But here's the thing. We don't find morels when we're riding on our mountain bikes. We don't find morels when we're driving down the highway. We find them when we slow down and we focus right in front of us, when we are searching for one thing. And we can do this in life, right? We can do this with God. It is so easy for us to take our eyes off of him because we have so many other things that are going on. But Matthew 6.33 says this, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You know, seeking for each of us also looks different. When you're in class, when you're in middle school, high school, college, seeking can quite often look like getting into the Word of God. It can look like rearranging your schedule so you're not able to do all of the things that everybody else is doing, but you're able to focus on God. This can look like saying no to peer pressure. Actually, it can look like saying no to peer pressure your entire life. <laughs> um, for parents, seeking God looks different. You don't have five hours to get to sit down and read the Word of God, or if you do, your house is on fire. Um, it looks different. It means you seek God and you pray as you're changing diapers, as you're washing dishes. Those things can be very holy when we invite God into them. Uh, often when I think about God, I think we try to put him in this position where we say, well, we want to put him first, and we do want to put him first. But the way I think about him quite often is that he really wants to be woven into the very fabric of every piece of our life. He wants to be in everything that we do. He doesn't say, oh, change your diapers, unholy, then come back to me, holy. He says, with the tasks that I'm giving you, that I've put before you, invite me into all of it, and that is holy. For grandparents, it means... Lots more prayer time. It means stepping into the lives of people around us and our kids and saying, hey, I've been there. I know it's hard. I'm going to help out in this. You know, I have one of the people in my life who has mothered me best is, is actually not my mom at all. But she saw something in my life that needed attention. She saw things that I needed, things that needed to be called out in me. And she stepped into my life and really has served a vital purpose in even the fact that I'm standing where I am today. You know, 
It's going to look different how we seek God. Colossians 3, 1 through 2 says, Seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. That can be really, really difficult because we live in a flesh and blood, uh, a flesh and blood body. Everybody in here has a body, right? Nobody's like without it. We know that we're a spirit, but God has given us bodies that we are to carry out our assignments in. And he wants us to care for our bodies. Um, at one point in the Bible, Elijah, who is a prophet, was so mad that he literally said, I am so mad I want to die. Like, that's what he said to God. That was, that was what he said. And God wasn't like, oh, Elijah, you just need to pray for four hours. He wasn't like, you know, let's turn on some worship music. Do you know what God told Elijah to do? He said, here, eat something. Why don't you take a nap? Obedience is what we are called to do. In that moment, Elijah eating and taking a nap was the holiest thing he could do because God directed him to do it. And I think sometimes it's easy for us to focus on the flesh because we're not taking care of the flesh. I think if we take care of some of those needs, we're better able to accomplish the tasks that God has given us. But while we are able to care for our, our, our bodies, we are meant to focus on our calling. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6 says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So captivity. That word really jumped out at me because I think so often when we read that scripture and we, we hear take every thought captive or put, take, put every thought into captivity, we think, okay, you know, I can't let those thoughts come into my head so I just need to distract myself. But the word does not say that we are supposed to distract ourselves from every thought. It says we're supposed to take them captive. So placing something in captivity means that it doesn't get allowed to roam free until it has been reformed and is no longer dangerous. But instead, what do we do? We tiptoe around our thoughts. And instead of placing bars around them to hold them into captivity until they are in line with the word of God, what we do is we say, I'm going to distract myself from that. I'm going to watch some Netflix so I won't think about it. I'm going to listen to an audiobook. I'm going to go shopping or go out to dinner with friends. And we distract ourselves from the thoughts instead of taking those thoughts and saying, this is not what the word of God says, and I'm going to find out what the word of God says about it. And what happens when we don't take those thoughts captive is they're allowed to go roaming until they can come back around and hit us again. But if we take it and say, what does the word of God say about this thought? Then we reorder it. So if that thought tries to come back, we can say, no, I already know what the word says about that. And so I wanted to share with you guys a couple of things that I've thought in my life and, and what scripture says about it. I am unlovable. Bringing that into obedience in Christ, it says this. Romans 8, 38 and 39. Nothing can ever separate us from the love of God, not even death. 
If I think I am too weak to do what God asks of me, Psalm 18.32 says that God arms me with strength and he makes my way perfect. If I say I've been abandoned, Ephesians 1.5 says God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. If I think I am broken, God says, he has made me whole. Colossians 2.10 says, you are also complete through your union with Christ. If I say I am rejected, God says, I am his. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I say I'm purposeless. God says, I was created with a purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for him to do. I think I'm lost. Isaiah 30, 21 says, whether you turn to the left or the right, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. If I say I'm worried, anxious, or afraid, God says that I, with him I am peace-filled. He says, my peace I leave you, peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. If I say I am unhappy, God says I am joy-filled and joyful. He says I told you that I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. I say I'm afraid, but God says that I am powerful, loved and have a sound mind. That's in 2 Timothy 1:7. I say I'm nothing special, but God says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made in Psalm 139. I say I'm worthless, but God says that Jesus died because I am worth it. For God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It is so important that we know what God says about us. And here's the thing, it's one, it's one thing for me to get up here and read some scriptures that combat thoughts, but you need to know what the word of God says about what you are struggling with. It is imperative that you get into the word, that you get to know God, because he so dearly loves you. You are so valuable to, to him. And here's another thing. It is vital that we do not determine our values based on how others treat us. Right? Uh, I have a shovel at my house. I have quite a few shovels at my house. I do not have them shined and polished and relaxing on my couch. Right? Because that's not how you use a shovel. My shovels are dirty, they're, they're put in and out of dirt and soil, they're filthy, they're nicked, they're shoved, but they have great value because they can dig for a firm foundation. We know that shovels have dig to bring water to thirsty populations. A shovel can't say I have no value because of how it's treated, right? There's a scripture that says, 2 Timothy 2.20, it says, in a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some are for noble purposes and some for ignoble purposes. Now, I have one thing in my house that I am pretty sure, I was trying to think about what I would trade to keep this thing in my house. And I was thinking, I would trade every single decoration in my house, every single one. Um, I would trade my bed, 
most of my furniture, probably even my kitchen table, to keep this one thing in my house. A toilet. <laughs> right? I want the toilet in my house. Right? It's used for the most ignoble of purposes, but it has high value. Right? Anybody? Yeah. We have to determine our value based on what God says about us and based on, am I doing what he has asked me to do? Am I being obedient to him? You have an assignment that the God of the universe says you were created to do, and you have intrinsic value. He dearly loves you, no matter what your role is. It does not matter what your role is. You are supremely loved by the God of the universe. The last thing I want to say is, for us, it can be really important to create a litmus test for what we allow into our house. So when it comes to things that I think, when it comes to materials that are brought into our house, I really love using Philippians 4.8 as the litmus test. It says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, just, pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any vir virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. We are meant to take our negative thoughts and the thoughts that don't line up with the word of God, we're meant to take those captive. And we're meant to bring them into subjection to the word of God. Bring them into obedience to the word of God. And then we're meant to think on the things that are good and praiseworthy. The last scripture I want to share is Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. God has said that he would not have asked for us to look for him if he could not be found. Jesus is so good. He is so good. And I wanted to share something with you guys today. So um, I'm wearing shoes. Everybody else wearing shoes today? Yeah. So my shoes, are, they're, they're pretty great. They're, they're, I like them. You know, I've been wearing them now for quite a few years. This is one of my favorite pair. But I want to show you this shoe. This shoe looks nice, right? Good on the outside, pretty decent on the inside. It's got a little bit of cushion. It's nice, pretty well taken care of. And I think some of us came here this morning and we said, you know what, when it comes to my thoughts, I'm actually, I'm doing pretty well. My, my outside looks put together and, and my inside, like things are going well on the inside. I'm not struggling with all that right now. That's awesome, right? And then I have this other shoe. Now, to you guys, it just looked like a pretty shoe that matched the other shoe. Really nice put together. But to me, this is what I've been walking in. It's destroyed. My, my dog got to it. It has no foam. It's disgusting on the inside. And I think some of us may have walked in here today, and we might be like, yeah, look curled my hair, got my nice clothes on, I look good on the outside. But maybe the inside is really hurting. Maybe the inside's really struggling. Maybe it feels like there's a lot of junk there. And yeah, nobody can see it. But it doesn't mean that it's not existing like that. 
Our God is so big that he doesn't say, look, I'm only going to come for those who are put together. He is big enough for whatever the yuck is on the inside. Whether you caused it or whether somebody else caused it, that doesn't matter. Jesus is so good. He has such good things planned for us. Whether we have it put together or whether we don't, it does not matter how we show up to him. What matters is that we show up to him. And so this morning, we're going to give you an opportunity to choose Jesus, make him the Lord of your life. And when this first happened, when I was in churches and I, and I first heard altar calls, I got this little like, Ugh, I don't like that. That makes me uncomfortable. Probably made me uncomfortable because I had a lot of this that I didn't want to bring to him. Or <laughs> a lot of this that I thought didn't need to be brought to him, right? But we're going to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And some people say, you know, it's just a prayer. Like, that doesn't really matter. It matters a whole lot. Because this is a church community that we want people to be able to show up in all aspects of this. But we want the best for people, and the best for people only comes when you have a life with Jesus. My life before Jesus was junk. It looked really pretty. It looked really nice. My life after Jesus is so incredibly full. And yes, there are still aches and pains. There are still hurts. But there is such a comfort because God says that he is the source of all comfort. All comfort. So I want you guys to close your eyes, bow your heads this morning. And I just want you to take any pride that you have and put it on a shelf. Because Jesus loves you. He loved you so much that he gave his life on the cross, that he died saying, oh, they'll know, they'll know my love for them. And so I'm gonna make it really simple this morning. There aren't gonna be a lot of platitudes. I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand when I count to three um, if you wanna give your life to Jesus. And then we'll say a prayer. So one, two, three. Go ahead and put your hand up if that's you today. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you for your goodness, God. We thank you that you sent your Son as the perfect sacrifice for us. We thank you that as we go forth into our day today, that we carry you with us, that we have your assignments, that we're able to fix our eyes on you, and that we are able to stay obedient to what you call us to. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.